Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Superheroes, just before we get started, let's hear from one of my unsponsors, my, one of my favorite podcasts, Just the Tipsters, a great true crime podcast. Hello, tipsters. This is Melissa Morgan. I'm the host of Just the Tipsters true crime podcast because people are awful and they kill each other. Tipsters, this is Melissa Morgan, the host of just the tipsters true crime podcast have you ever wanted to kill anyone hey tipsters my name is melissa morgan and i'm the host of just the tipsters true crime podcast america's favorite true crime podcast you can find us on apple Podcast. i don't know where the you can find us how about that just can find us and listen and we're and you'll really like it is that okay just the Tipsters with Melissa Morgan is actually available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You'll be glad you did. Superheroes, we are here today with Kelly Notaris, who I was magically and beautifully introduced to a few years ago by Pat Verducci, who was a seminal creature to the formation of what ended up being the book that was sent to publishers. And Pat introduced me to Kelly. And also we have a million people in common. Like I interviewed Nancy Levin just a couple weeks ago. Hey, my bestie. <laughs> and we have Berkeley in common also. But mm-hmm. let me get to Kelly started KN Literary, which stands for K Kelly Notaris, her initials, KN Literary. And but before that, and we'll I'll let you tell them about KN Literary in your most eloquent way. But before that, she was an editor. She started out as an editor. She was at HarperCollins and Penguin and Hyperion. And then she ended up at Sounds True as the VP and editorial director before she started ghostwriting and then indeed started KN Literary. And I have been following you and have been inspired by you for a few years. And so I'm just so excited because I need to say to my listeners, Kelly is somebody who leads with her heart and I consider you a superhero of love, which means that you are in the business of helping people open their hearts, empower their hearts and have them love and be loved even more. I've always been moved by how you shepherd authors through the process of making their books come out into the world as the (laughs) newborns that should be, they should be. So I've always been inspired by how you do that. And then you also, you had a kind of seminal death in your life a couple years ago and, and you shared a lot about that on social media. And I was very moved by how you dealt with that. And so for those, all of those reasons, I'm so happy to have you here today, Kelly Notaris. Thank you, Bridget. That was a beautiful introduction and I'm super happy to be here too and excited to share this moment with you and see where it goes. 
Yay. So yeah. So tell us first about KN Literary, because I definitely have listeners who are, well, first of all, every single human, <laughs> I mean, right? Almost yeah. every single human says they have a book in them. Yep. And every time you say, every time I was just at a, there's a thing in, in Pasadena called Lit Fest, and it's apparently one of the biggest literary festivals on the West Coast. And, um, Everybody I said that I, I started not saying it anymore that I had a book coming out in January. It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I have a book to eat. Right, totally. So tell us about Can Literary and how you help those kind souls. Yeah. So as you said, I've been a book editor for 20 years. I started out straight out of college when I was 23 and got a job at a company called Avon Books, which was subsequently bought by HarperCollins. So I moved over to Harper and then was, was there for a couple of years, really learned how to edit while I was there, and then got a job at Penguin where I was finally no longer someone's assistant, which was really exciting. And I did a ton of books there for a couple of years and then moved over to Hyperion Books, which was really a wonderful place to work. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. Um, it was a part of Disney, the Disney Corporation at the time, and it's now folded into um, Hachette. And, but while I was still there, I started meditating. It just happened to be that I was stressed out. I was, um, I just, I mean, I was, I was kind of unhappy, honestly, living in New York City. It was never really where I wanted to be. And a girlfriend of mine had said, you should read this book, The Power of Now. My mom keeps telling me to read it. I'm not going to- Oh my God. I'm sorry. I forgot that. <laughs> I, I actually knew that, but isn't this the most hilarious thing that so I have? funny. What I'm showing um, Kelly, because you guys can't see, is that I'm holding up my microphone with a little um, Eckhart Tolle. It's not the power of now, but that was just so hilarious because I'd forgotten that story. I'm so sorry to interrupt totally. that amazing story. Continue. No problem at all. No, no, no. It just <laughs> happens to be he, he's been such a huge force in so many people's lives and opening the door toward more contemplation and meditation and understanding of the present moment. And he definitely did that for me. So after reading that book, I found my way into a meditation community in New York City, which ultimately led to me leaving New York, which was great. Um, a friend of a friend from that community put me up for the job at Sounds True, which is a spirituality publisher in Boulder, Colorado. And um, I've been west of the Rockies ever since. Uh, I've lived in Boulder and also um, the Bay Area, and now I'm living in the western part of Colorado. So that's sort of, it, it got me to the land that I needed to be at, and it got me to the mindset and really to the books, honestly. So I, I started working with books when I was at Sounds True that I would have wanted to read for fun and for growth myself, mm. which was amazing. So while I was there, I got to start working on books that I actually would have wanted to read anyway for my own growth and, and for, my, for fun, really. And um, I got to work on books by Adya Shanti, who was really a teacher that um, changed my perspective on life. And I started studying with him and um, had edited two of his books there, True Meditation and The End of Your World. And that was really a turning point for me to be able to merge my business life and my personal life really seamlessly. And so I worked there for four years. It was a wonderful time. I really learned a lot about what it takes to, to become an author in the transformational space while I was there. And that was very um, helpful to me as I moved on and actually took a ghostwriting gig, left the company and went out freelance on my own. And in the time that I was at Sounds True, I got to know the folks at Hay House really well because the spirituality publishing world is quite small. And um, I ended up meeting Nancy Levin, who at the time was the event director for Hay House. And she invited me to come to an event in Denver 
you know, I was living in Boulder at the time freelancing and she invited me to come to Denver to just come, you know, check out this conference she was doing with Wayne Dyer and Reed Tracy, who runs Hay House, who I knew. And she said, you know, Reed will probably bring you up to the microphone and have you talk about editing and you'll probably get some work out of it. So I thought, okay, I'll throw together you know, a website. I literally put a website together in two weeks on Squarespace. Oh I God. ordered, yeah, I ordered some business cards, which are the same business cards I use today. It's very funny. Um, and I walked into that conference, you know, thinking I was going to meet a few authors. Well, as it turned out, I ended up meeting a lot of authors. And in fact, over the course of the next, well, since then, so that was in May of 2013. So in the last, you know, five and a half years, I've spoken at over a dozen Hay House Writers Workshops. And that is where I've met my favorite client because the clients that go to those workshops are the open-hearted people who want to change the world and want to bring their story or their message to the page in service of others. And so that's really become the heart of our company. That's what we're, that's what we do at KN Literary. I went from it just being me plus some freelancers to now I have uh, three salespeople. Um, I have, you know, we've got 30 writers, editors, and coaches who are working with us at any given time. And we've helped over 600 authors in the last five and a half years. Wow. So Bravo. wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And every, and you know, not every single book is in the transformational space. We do have editors who work on all types of books, children's books, cookbooks, business books, whatever, you know, fiction, but definitely our bread and butter is self-help, personal growth, spirituality. Um, yeah, I've heard you speak to all different kinds of authors and you give them all the greatest, most beautiful um, hope. You know, yes, mm -hmm. you should be heard. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's how you treat every single person. It's like my vet treats every single animal that walks into our <laughs> office as if it's the most special animal on yeah. the planet Earth. And I feel like you do that with every single author. I mean, I've heard mm -hmm. like even some slightly ridiculous sounding books that you, <laughs> you know, but that you, no, but that you found the nugget in them you know mm. you found the nugget and it's like I hear what you're saying is this and mm -hmm. yes the world needs to hear you say mm -hmm. that yeah so thank you for being you something I neglected to say at the beginning which is so super important is just had a book come out oh yeah that's right I didn't even think about that I did I just had my first book come out with my own name on the cover so exciting I've been reading it over the last couple of days and why is the whole title not coming right oh, I'm so sorry the book you were born to write everything you need to finally get your wisdom onto the page and into the world. Yes. So everybody go right now, as you're listening to us, go to Amazon and get that. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the really, I love how the book is laid out. Of course, you're a master of, of editing books. So it's the, it is such a great book. And it's, it's written in this, like the girlfriend's guide to writing the book you've always wanted to write. It's really great. Mm -hmm. I love the, the spirit of it. It's just like you, as if you were sitting with me in my living room talking to me. And I love how you broke the book up into three parts because when I first asked to interview you, I thought, okay, I'm going to do the before, during, and after ah. of the book. And your book wasn't out yet, right? right. When I asked you. And so it's like, oh my God, I opened the book and it was literally laid out exactly as I yeah. was. Because you do, you have this beautiful knack for dealing with each of those three pieces. So it's like, you decide to have a baby. So how are we going to have the baby? What baby are we? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You get to do your designer baby when right. it comes to your book. <laughs> right. Designer baby and then, and then making the baby and then birthing the baby. Yes. So let's talk about all three of those. So I want to talk about it from the perspective of 
how do you take care of your author's hearts during these mm, three? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because most people don't know how much work should go into the pre-planning of having your baby, your book baby. Um, so many people think they, oh, I should be able to sit down and write. That's what writers do. They just sit down and write a book. And they don't prepare themselves to, to succeed at that. So that is actually my favorite part of the journey is that first section of the book, part one, before you start writing. And the two things that I speak of that are most important, in, I, I believe, in that section are the hook for the book, choosing your hook, picking your topic. So it's something that people are really going to be excited to pick up and read and that speaks to, especially, obviously not if you're doing fiction, but if you're doing nonfiction speaks to a pain point that they know they have mm -hmm. and, and promises them something that you can actually deliver to heal and, and help that pain point. And then the second piece is the outline. And I am one of those super organized people who loves an outline. Some people like to sit down and just write. And that is a wonderful way, right? And it's a wonderful way to write. It is, it is a beautiful I am in awe of you people though that can write. And I, I really, I've remember when we had to, we learned how to do outlines in, yeah. in what was Wait, it? Like elementary school? Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. It feels like I was so young. Like I was just out of the womb and I was right. trying to make right. an outline and I was like, I don't want to go in the lines. I don't right. understand. Don't make me. But I love this part of your book as well. So continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, and there, there are many, many people like you who just roll their eyes or like recoil in horror when I say outline. The thing is that it doesn't mean you can't write free form. It just means you know in advance what, you, what topic you're going to be writing about roughly that day. Right. So what I love about an outline is that it, it not only organizes your content and makes sure it's going to be digestible to the end user, which of course is the most important thing when you're writing a book, but it also holds your hand while you write. If you have created a very detailed outline mm. before you start writing. That's such you, a great way to have to right? stop on that. It holds your hand <laughs> while you write. That's yeah. such a beautiful way to put it. It's okay. just true, right? Because so you're true. writing is a solo effort and it's not something that you can, I mean, some people try to collaborate. It's quite difficult to collaborate on writing a book um, when, you know, with two different people, two different voices trying to merge, et cetera. It's really kind of a solo endeavor. But if you have an outline that you can sit down and ask, outline, what should I write today? And it says, here are your 12 different options because you've already given yourself those options in advance. So I wrote the book you were born to write in four and a half months. And the only reason I was able to write it that fast was that I knew exactly what I was supposed to be writing every single day wow. because I had, um, I think 10, I've got 10 chapters in the book. And then I had within those chapters, at least six to eight different subheadings or sections, including exercises, stories, sidebars, introduction, et cetera. And so I sat down every day and just thought, which of these little bite-sized pieces do I want to write today? That's and, so cool. Right? So it made it very easy to actually write the book. And fun. And, and fun because you get to choose. Yes, you get to choose. And it's almost like a gamified situation because you're like, ooh, how, what, what can I get done? How many of these pieces can I get done this week? And, yeah. and if I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for three. And then if I get it, I feel like I've succeeded so much, you know? So I actually really loved the writing process because of that. Oh, that's so cool. Um, my first book, which I co-wrote with my friend, Judy O'Neill, it was called The Lazy Woman's Guide to Just About Everything. We wrote it together and we did, we should have had you. This was, so, you know, like almost <laughs> so 20 years, years ago, ago now. Yeah. Yeah. But we, and we would, it was the most hilarious thing is that we would, 
write some, somebody would take his first stab at a chapter and then the next person would come. And then we found that we were like crossing, undoing each other. And just right. like, it was, it was like yes. a, a war on paper, yes. like this silent tacit yeah. brutal <laughs> war happening. Right. Right. So, exactly. Yes. Writing with yeah. your outline partner is a much more. Um, right. Exactly. Because then you get to make all the, the outline really doesn't get to talk back. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't okay. get to rewrite. Yeah. So, so the first part of your journey toward writing a book before you even sit down to write is preparation and outline. Yes. And exactly. both of those things are going to take care of your heart. It's so yes. true because that is a place I've heard a lot of people get stopped. Um, um, and I've coached people just just at the smallest degree of what you do through mm-hmm. through this process. And if they do um, do what I do, which is just no, 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 I'm just going to write and see what happens. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they they have this. I mean, and I'm an Aries, which is so typical of Aries to have this big burst of energy and all this creativity comes out, mm-hmm. and then you're like. All right, I'm done with that. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Like, and what do I do with that now? Right. What do I yeah. do with that now? It's this and sort you, of like soup. <laughs> yeah, soup. That's a good way to put it. As opposed to a carefully crafted gourmet meal. Exactly. But you found the joy in every step of the way. You never lost steam because of your preparation and your outline. That's very true. And I will say for those who cannot write to an outline, which some people really cannot do it's okay to retroactively outline whatever came through in that burst of energy that you had. So you can do it the way that it works for you, but an outline should be involved at some point. And in my experience, books that get written more frequently start with the outline than end with them. But it's important to outline the soup after you've written it. So this is for the reader to make sure the reader can actually digest your ideas, make sure that it's got some symmetry to it, that the chapters feel, you know, similar to one another, et cetera. And that there are chapters. I mean, sometimes I've gotten quote books delivered to me from clients that are just 150 pages of whatever. And it's like, there's not even a chapter in here, you know? So it's like, you really need to go back through it and rework it so that it fits into an outline. That's great. I'm just remembering, and this is a shout out to Patrick Hemp because I'm going to send this interview to him because I was just kind of coaching him through. I really want him to write a book. He has an unbelievable story. And so I was saying, please, will you just write five minutes a day? You know, I was trying yes, everything. Yes, yes, to right. write a book. And yep. he said, well, I think I'm going to do an outline. And when he said that, I was like, <laughs> I was like in a cartoon, my head just went spinning. And I was like, wait, I don't know how to deal with an outline. <laughs> <laughs> so now oh he's gonna God. have his he's gonna yes. have his justice his moment. Like, yes. yes, I was right to do it. He outline. was right. Totally. He was <laughs> okay. right. So I was not taking care of his heart at the beginning oh, of his book. Yeah. Oh, bad Bridget. Okay. So um <laughs> uh so second step. So here we are. Yes. Now we're sitting down and writing. Yes. So this is sort of just the the writing portion of it, which is it tends to be the longest sort of stretch because it obviously requires so much butt in chair time to use Anne Lamott's term. Um, And it's, it's a place where there are many different obstacles that can come up. And so in the book, I tried to start off by saying, here are the tools that I have seen really do generate success in writers, including putting the time that you're going to write in your calendar making sure you have, choosing a word count, um, feeling what it's going to feel like to have completed today's writing before you start writing. There's Mm -hmm. something about getting the feeling of it in your body of that success and that feeling good and all of those wonderful emotions. And so I give a whole list of different things that I have come to see really work for people. 
And then the next chapter is, uh, but what if you still can't do it? Because I can give you, I can encourage you all day long to put chunks of writing time in your schedule. But if you're blowing them off every day, there's a reason. And so I happen to have been trained in neuro-linguistic programming. I went through a two-year training at NLP Marin, which I can just give so many props to, an amazing organization. Awesome. Yeah, outside of San Francisco. And I learned how to be an NLP coach during that time. Although I ended up, it was very funny. I was coaching people a lot prior to joint, to getting into that program. And halfway through that program, I basically let go of all of my coaching clients because I realized that I didn't want to be coaching. I wanted to be building my business. So it was a very interesting thing. My truth came up to the surface. And that is what I have tried to do in that chapter is explain what, what, are, why we are not able to write. Why are we doing things we shouldn't be doing? Why are we doing the dishes instead of sitting down and writing? Why are we potentially living our parents' life, our parents' dream? I had a, a woman I've been working with for years, actually. She's been a client of K Literary since the very beginning. And she wrote me the other day, having read the chapter on resistance, working <sighs> with your resistance, which is all NLP work in the book. And she said, I have to buy a copy of this book for my dad because you know what? He's the one who wanted to write a book. Now this woman has been writing and writing. She's an excellent writer. I don't believe that she, she doesn't want to write a book, but there was some truth to the piece around our family loyalties and Mm. our childhood structures that we put into place really early Mm. on our belief systems, et cetera, that have locked in both things. Like I have to write a book maybe when we don't want to, or I cannot write a book, no matter how hard I try, I can't get myself to sit down. So my hope is in that chapter with the exercises that I included, people will really be able to start unlocking what is standing in the way of this book they've known they wanted to write for the last 30 years or maybe their entire life. Cause I hear that all the time. People mm-hmm. who've known they had a book in them and somehow it doesn't get out. So that's sort of the middle section. And then the third, the third chapter in that middle section is about working with an editor because working with an editor or a writing coach as your client, you're just talking about knows it is so, so helpful. It mm-hmm. changes everything. And very few authors, aspiring authors know that you can work with an editor at any stage of the game. You can work with them to build their outline. You know, I do, I do the only um, service I still personally offer is a consulting session around your hook. What should you be writing about? That's before you've even put a word on the page. I can work with you on that. So at any stage, stop and say that that hook too is such a heart centered issue. That's like, where does your heart Mm. come out into the world? Your heart hooking other hearts. So it's like, it's a two-ended hook in yes. your heart and in their heart, right? It has to be because sometimes yeah. I can come up with a hook that is actually very marketable, but the client is never going to write that book because right. it's not, it hasn't hooked their heart. Mm-hmm. I know that it will hook readers, but it hasn't actually hooked their heart. So we have to go back to the drawing board and, and work again and figure out what is the hook that both brings your heart and your desire and everything that you want to say to the world together with a need that is actually out there that people know they have. That when those two things come together, you've got a successful book. I loved um, reading that part about, um, are you fulfilling your parents' dreams? I really love that because my dad, before he passed away, um, he, you know, he was very sick and we were on our last vacation. Oh my God, I'm going to start to cry. We were on our last vacation together. And he said, he came up, he told me this idea he had for a book. And I was like, oh my God, that's a really beautiful book. You should write that. And he wasn't feeling well enough to write a book, right? But I wasn't knowing that he wasn't feeling well enough to write a book. And, um, 
And I was like, you know, uh, I was kind of mean about it. Like, no, you write the book. Like, I can't write your book just like you can't write my book. Like, I can't tell you my idea for a book. And so after he died, actually, I tried to write that book, Aww. you know, because I did, but it was that family, yes, you know, that family thing. loyalty. Yes. So your book really touched my heart when I got to that mm. point. It's like, oh, I did that. And then it's like, no. And, but this is the magical thing is that literally yesterday I heard, oh, it was Michelle. Oh, I'm listening to Michelle Obama's book oh, on, yes. on tape on audible. And she said something. And I realized the thing that my book, my dad's book would have done, it was like a middle grade or we didn't know. I was like, he couldn't even decide which age he was going for, but he knew it was for kids. And he wanted to show that we're all the same. We're all the same. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I called it samesies and I had this whole thing, but, and it's, you know, it was a cute little book, but it wasn't my passion. So I couldn't, right. you know, finish it, whatever. But I realized that the world has changed in like mm -hmm. his book was out there. You know what I mean? Like yes. the idea, the, the heart healing that his book was meant to do has happened. Has happened. It's Beautiful. all. Yes. And that just yeah. happened yesterday when I was listening to Michelle Obama. Now mm. we're talking and I realized, yeah. yes. And thank you for healing my heart with that piece of your book. Mm. I'm so happy to hear that. It's very powerful work. So one of the things I'm most happy to be able to offer the world. Yeah. Okay. Third, part. third section. So third <laughs> section moves into now you have a, you've got a draft. Theoretically, you've had it edited and I pray that you've had it edited. <laughs> Underscored enough. Can I say that KN Literary has, you, you know, you are training your people. You are working with the people that work with you. And so yes. if you need an editor, you can go to knliterary.com and check out the editors that are there. We do. We work with, we only work with people who have that combination of the ability to to, to really know the from the professional level, what works, what doesn't, what's working out there in, this, in the world right now on the bookshelf, how can we get you closer and closer and closer to the book that you are born to write. And then on the other hand, also have the love and have a personal interest in people. <laughs> I yeah. always say that the thing, I mean, there are many different options when you're working with an editor. The most important thing to me has always been the relationship. You know, working at the big publishing companies in New York, the authors that are being shopped around, they come to meet you because there's a chemistry that needs to happen. And so I, I always introduce our clients to the editor that we handpick for them before they ever sign anything, before they ever pay for anything. It's like, we need to make sure you have that click. The thing you um, felt with Pat, we need to make sure that it's like, oh yes, this is, the, this is my person. It's very important. And so anyway, that's one of the, um, the things that makes us different from other places is that there's a lot, it's a high touch company. You will have a matchmaker with you the entire way who's been the person who's picked your editor, writer, or coach. And then that person's with you till the end of the project and they make sure that everything goes smoothly. And it's just sort of like, it's, we do a lot around relationship because that's what I like. You know, I like, I like people. I want to work with people. I want to give both the, the feedback on the book and the, the guidance on the book itself. And also you know, people need to feel that someone believes their story or message is important. Mm -hmm. And we actually do. And so it's like, <laughs> there's this whole piece around, you know, I don't know what to call it. Just like um, cheerleading seems to flip, but it's like loving 
loving mm-hmm. the author and loving the book into the world. It's, it's like fairy godmothers. Yeah, like fairy godmothers. I love that. That's a great way. I've never thought of it that way. That's a really, really good way to think of it. Yeah. So part three of the book, after you've worked with your editor, you've got your book ready to go out in the world. It's really about how to get the book published with and then also how to get the word out. So there's a chapter on, the, on building your author platform, which if you want to be published by a traditional publisher, which by which I mean to say, I'm going to give you money in exchange for your book and they're going to publish it for you, quote unquote. Um, they're going to provide editorial services. They're going to provide cover design, et cetera. And they're going to take the financial risk on printing copies of the book and getting them shipped out to, to bookstores you these days will need to be able to prove to that publisher in advance that you will sell enough copies to make back their investment. So someone has to invest in getting this book into the world. And there are two options. It's either a publisher or it's you. And for a publisher to take it on, it makes perfect business sense. They want to know that you already have people waiting for your book. You've been speaking to them. You've got a podcast like this one, or you have a newsletter that's got a large following, or you're posting on Facebook and you've got tens of thousands of people who are liking your post. They need to know, not because they, I mean, people get really bent out of shape when I talk about platform. Like, why do I need a platform? It's all about marketing, isn't it? It's all about sales. It's like, well, actually, you know, it is a business. Like there is a way that a publisher needs to know that they are actually going to make money off of the book. And even at the very least, just make back the the money they've put into it to get it out into the world. So to do that, you need to have a platform in place. But I always say, if you don't have one, it's not the end of the world because you can these days for the first time in history, easily self-publish your book and use the book to build your platform. Mm-hmm. And if and when you successfully build a platform using the book, publishers will come knocking. When they see, oh, she's making money off of her book, they're like, I want a piece of that. And then you get to decide, well, is that useful for me to have you involved at this point or not? And some people say yes and other people say why. I'm going to keep self-publishing it. So there's so there's just a, so many more options today and self-publishing is such a viable option for everyone that I encourage people to look into it. So in the book, basically I lay out what, what's the basics of an author platform. And then if you want to be traditionally published, you're going to need to find an agent. You're going to need to write a book proposal if you're doing um, nonfiction or write the entire manuscript if you're doing fiction and the, the agent will submit it to publishers and then you can be traditionally published. Hopefully someone wants to take it on or the other option is self-publishing. I have a whole chapter on self-publishing, which I always say this because it's really important. I think for people to know when I decided I wanted to publish the book you were born to write, I I had every intention in the world of self-publishing that book. Really? Yes. 100%. I was not going to spend the time to go find a literary agent. I wasn't going to put together a book proposal. I knew what I wanted to write. I knew what I needed to get into, into print and I knew why I was doing it. And I was primarily doing it for the clients we already had who I wanted to, to get a really big picture of what it means to, pu- to write a book and publish it. And I wanted to start reaching clients outside of the people that I already knew. So outside of the Hay House Writers Workshops where I speak, I wanted people in the world to be getting wind of us and knowing what you know, KN Literary could offer them. So I was using it as part, I was publishing the book as a part of my business building. And to do that, it makes all the sense in the world to self-publish it. it. You can't understand how superhuman it looks 
to most people to have a book in the world. They don't care whether you're published through a traditional house or you're published on your own. And I am still myself in the platform building process. I don't have a platform that's going to knock the socks off of a major you know, publisher. The thing that got me to publish with Hay House was that I mentioned it actually that I was writing this book one time. I love this story. Yeah. <laughs> I just mentioned it. And it was funny because Nancy was Nancy Levin, you know, who's a author speaker and you know, my best friend, she was like, Reed is going to want to publish this book. And I was like, no way. I don't have a platform for this. And, and then I saw so him just, I mentioned it offhandedly on stage at one of these conferences. And afterwards he's like, and if you've ever met Reed, you know, he has this funny Southern drawl, even though he was born and raised in Southern California. Um, and he said, what book are you writing? And I was like, oh, I'm going to write a book about how to write a book. He's like, well, I want to publish that book. And I was like, what? I mean, truly, I've never, literally my jaw was on the table and Nancy was sitting there. She's like, I told you. I was like, wow. I just, the thought had never crossed my mind. What I didn't know, and this is the important piece, is that he knew he was going to be giving me, continuing to give me the platform of having me speak at these writers' workshops. You know, I didn't know that, right? right? I you know. I kind of every time I'm invited, I'm super psyched to be invited again. You know, but he knew. Well, he was going to want me there in the long term, so he knew I had a platform. He was giving it to wow. me. Pretty rare that that I was very very lucky. But just to say. Even I, who have been in the traditional business, have worked at all the major houses, know dozens of agents I could have sent it to, I was going to self-publish that book. Truly, truly, because to, it, it would have met all of my criteria to self-publish. You know, when I first heard that you had a book coming out, I actually assumed, I don't, I don't know if I, maybe I half read the email or something, or maybe, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know what, but I, I did assume that you were self-publishing. And then yeah. when it was Hay House, I was like, oh, she's she probably never had any intention. So I, yeah, no, yeah, uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. I, um, we, we sent out 12 book proposals for the book, uh, lazy woman's guide. Mm -hmm. And we got four offers and we ended up talking to those four offers over the course of six months. And then 10 speed press was the one we were going to go with. And they gave us an author that wanted to change the title from a lazy woman, the lazy woman's guide to just about everything to the lazy woman's guide to a balanced life. And that made me want to puke. So I said, I don't think we could do that. <laughs> Cause it made me realize they didn't really get the book. Mm. The publisher did, but the editor didn't. So we decided to self publish that book oh, wow. and which was written. We got in parade magazine. We were on HGTV and all kinds of exciting things nice. happened. And yeah. then I just, when I was mostly the motor to the marketing yep. and I just burnt the fuck out. Yes, Sorry for yes. swearing, but I burnt out. So this time I was like, I really want a publishing deal. And by the grace of God, there are only, you know, so uh, this is, oh, I love you so much. I'm so glad I thought of this. I'm so glad I told <laughs> that story because one of the things that super duper helped me is you have a list yes. of publishers that, mm -hmm. that take unsolicited yes. and is it is Red Wheel Wiser on there? Yes, because Red Wheel Wiser yes. is on there. No, yes. It's because of you. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh my god. I'm just realizing this. You are the reason my oh book my was god. published. That's amazing. Wow. I sent four big boxes to four and I've uh, I I really wanted Chronicle. Um Chronicle, I was like, I really yeah. want Chronicle because I have this set of cards I want to go with the blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my heart was set on Chronicle mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. 
they eventually said no, but Red Real Wiser. Red Real Wiser um, is a wonderful publisher. Right. So they, oh, so I put in the love balls, you know, those big love balls. I uh-huh. just had them at the event. Yeah. They're big yeah. balls yeah. and they say love in them. So I put in these big boxes, a big love ball with my manuscript mm. and Red Real Wiser called the woman who published it called and said, my assistant just brought your box into my office and said I had to open it. And so <laughs> I did. And I think this is the book I've been looking for for two years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's as, that's wow. as magical a story as the retreat. That is truly magical. Right? Right. Wow. So, but I have, I'm so excited that we came to this aha moment where you are the reason <laughs> I am published. Amazing. I feel oh so honored. And I, it's you. funny because I put that together. It's a list that actually you can still download from my website, 25 publishers, specifically in our genre, sort of self-help, personal growth, spirituality that accept unagented submissions because many of the big houses don't anymore. And I wrote that actually, it's so funny that you, I wonder if you found that through Pat, because Pat actually shared it. I remember specifically. Nope. I Googled. Nope. You I Googled. Oh, I remember Googling. Wow. But, and it's, it's possible that Pat also shared it with yeah. me. Yeah. Say that, but I will never, rem- I will never forget. I, I was like, I literally Googled <laughs> publishers that accept unsolicited manuscripts. Oh my God. Like in the wee hours of one morning. I will Amazing. never forget when I did it and finding it was like finding Mecca for. Yeah. I, I wrote it as a Christmas present, 2016, <gasps> a Christmas present to my list. I was like, you guys, and, and you know, anybody Aww. could Google that information, but who's going to, right? right? So I just came up with 25 publishers that I personally could get behind that accept the unsolicited submission. So I'm so excited that that was, that that's how you found them. Thank that you is, for my Christmas gift. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. Because so, what's so wonderful about it is that it does take a major step out of the process. You don't have to look for an agent, which is right. just a time consuming event. Now, finding an agent can be, and your agent can be your best best friend. And if you're going with the big, big houses, it's a really good idea to have one. But with these independent publishers, you can totally do it on your own. And very few people know that that's available. So I'm so happy that you found that list. Oh my God. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. We've, we've, so wait, no, I need to say, is there anything else that you want to say about your book before I just, I just want to talk about Benjamin for just a yeah, few minutes, just course. because there's a, I have a lot of people around me personally right now that are experiencing a lot of loss. It seems like a lot of people are leaving the planet right now. So I do want to move over to Benjamin, but I want to say, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to say about your book? Cause I want everyone to know everything that you love about it. Yeah. I mean, well, no, what I'll say is just that I'm getting really good feedback and the exact kind of feedback that I wanted, which was people saying, I've been trying to write a book for two years. I've done more in the last two days toward it in reading your book and doing the exercises than I have in two years. And that is exactly, I mean, I can't even tell you that's like a dream come true for me in this position because there are so many people whose messages and stories need to get out there. And there's only so much I can do, you know, like I can only, it's like, you can lead the horse to water. And so it's like, I've tried, I've, you know, we've have coaching and all sorts of things that help people force them to drink. (laughs) But the (laughs) truth is that like, it really, it really has to come spontaneously. And it does seem like people are getting that inspiration from the book. So I just want to say to anybody who's listening, who feels like there's a book in you, please, like this, this is meant to be the offering. It is an offering truly from my heart 
heart to yours in the hopes that it will help catalyze that next step for you wherever you are in the process. Yeah. So beautiful from my heart to yours. It's so true. And I wanted to go back. Oh, first of all, I want to just say, Patrick Hemp, did you hear all that? Okay, good. Are you, are you on amazon.com? Okay, good. Did you buy it? Okay, good. I want to also say back when you were saying Reed Tracy said that he knew that he was handing you a platform, right? Yeah. The thing is, is that Reed Tracy knew you were the person to write it because Mm. honestly, a lot of agents and a lot of editors and a lot of publishers could have written this could have written right? this book a hundred percent wrote yes. it from yes. a and i didn't um i didn't know the nlp piece and you may have said yes. that in the book i didn't read your book literally word for word yeah of course give me for not reading it word for word but yes. but that nlp piece is it like you have things about you that make you magically perfect to write this mm-hmm. book and the biggest thing is what you just said which is not every author says that about their book. It's from my heart to your heart. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you for putting this book out into the world and for helping Patrick Hemp and everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick, I got my eye on you. I can't see your book on the shelf. We got to see what you've got to say. (laughs) Okay. So Benjamin, um, Mm -hmm. shepherding um, someone through the end of their life is, Mm -hmm. is obviously an amazing honor. And Mm -hmm. um, you did it so beautifully and you shared so um generously with your followers Mm -hmm. this journey that you had and i just wanted to anything that you would like to give as a parting gift um, to you know Mm -hmm. to people about that you can give to them about shepherding people through the the end of their lives Mm, yeah well i'll say that just to give a little context benjamin was my partner best friend uh sparring partner, worst enemy for seven years, you know, it was one of those relationships that uh, was very much a growthful relationship. And, um, and he was a couple years younger than me. So uh, when he was 37, he got really sick and we had been together on and off for seven years at that point. And at the time we were very much off. In fact, I'd asked for no contact and it had been about 10 months that we hadn't spoken. And I saw a picture of him on Facebook and I saw how sick he was. And I knew I actually called Nancy and I said, um, I think Benjamin's dying and I'm going to take care of him. And she said, yep, that sounds right. It was just not even a question in my mind. It's, it's, it's one of those things. So this is actually the first piece of information that I can report back. Um, so many people asked me, how did you make the sacrifice to do this? Because I basically put my life on hold for a year and a half. And they said, how could you have made that sacrifice? And I said, if it feels like a sacrifice, you're not the right person to do it. Someone is meant to do this for every person. I deeply believe that. Wow. There is someone who's meant to be the, the, the rock during a difficult journey like this. And I was the one I, I got the, the, I always say the phone rang and it was for me. Wow. So there was never a hesitation. I I uprooted my life. I was living in Boulder at the time. I went back to California where he was living to take care of him. And um, it was the, one of the worst and best experiences I've ever had. Um, He, he had a really bad disease called primary sclerosing cholangitis. It's a liver disease. And, um, we thought that was all he had, but then unfortunately we found out that it had progressed into a a cancer that is very common for people with PSC, um, which is cholangiocarcinoma. And we, the only option was a liver transplant. So I 
<laughs> put all of my faculties toward getting him on a liver transplant list, which we did um, at UCLA. And um, a liver came miraculously just a couple months later through a friend who had an opiate overdose. Um, it was tragic. And unfortunately, when he went in for the, the transplant, it was discovered that the cancer had spread and he was no longer eligible for the transplant. So oh, at that point, we switched gears. Um, he was a force of nature, this man. And um, he was very clear not that he did not want to die. And so while we prepared for death and got him into a hospice situation, et cetera, he was still fully focused on healing the whole time. And um, so that was also, that posed its challenges, you know, to be sitting with someone who was so clearly dying and trying to also be in honor of what he, the story he was telling about it, which was that he was um, going to heal. And yeah, all this time I, I was posting on Facebook about it with his permission. And we were talking about what we wanted to say and what was the message we wanted to put forward. And, um, and at the same time, I was preparing for what was going to happen when he was gone, how we were going to celebrate his passing in a way that worked for all of us who were going to be left behind. And so probably the most important message I can offer, and this is um, a Facebook post that I made that went viral and ultimately was picked up by Best Self Magazine, so people can read it there, um, was it's called the, the article's called Doing Death Differently. Um, uh, we did a home funeral and had his body at home for three days and had um, a wake where people could come and visit his body and didn't have to, uh, but could. And we had about 60 people come and see him. And then his brothers and I um, and his family, we and his sons and his um, former partner, uh, we all took his body to the cremation. And we had something called a viewing cremation, which many people don't know is possible, which is that we all got to roll his casket into the crema cremation oven and press the button to start the, mm -hmm. the cremation. And it sounds to, to some people macabre, but I have to say it was one of the most moving and beautiful experiences that I've ever been through. The thing that I would say to Benjamin as he was dying and he was, he was dying of cancer. So that was a very, that's a painful way to die. And he was dying at age 38, which is, um, you know, there's just a real difference to a young person dying from an old person dying. My dad actually, um, crazy enough died two weeks before Benjamin. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Yeah. And he was 86 years old and he was ready to go. And it was a very, very, very different experience. And I got to be with him while he died as well. I flew home to my home state of Indiana. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, I know it was dramatic. We, we took Benjamin to the cremation and then a girlfriend came and picked me up and drove me to the airport so I could fly home for my dad's memorial service. So yeah, it was, it was like, they always say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I questioned it in that time, <laughs> but, um, but I did make, I did make it through ultimately. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was such a, a, a wonderful experience actually to see the difference between, and to, and to honor both the way my mother wanted to, you know, honor my dad with a very traditional funeral in a church and 
how when he died, we, you know, called the priest and then the, the mortuary came and took his body away. And which to me was like, why are we letting them take dad's body away? These people right. don't know him. It's almost you like know? it's being stolen. It's almost, it's almost like, well, it's like, it's like something's, something's, I'm like, he's not gone yet. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. He's not gone yet. Right. So, Two weeks later, we kept Benjamin and we, you know, had a wonderful death midwife who worked with us to explain how to keep the body at home and keep it, you know, on um, dry ice so that it doesn't decompose so quickly. And we got to be with him and I slept in the room with him all three nights that we had his body at home. And it was just a a whole making experience. I had told him, this is what I was starting to say. I had told him when I first came to be with him and he was in so much pain and physical distress. It was, it was, that was the hardest part of the whole thing was to be with somebody in so much pain who you love so much. And I kept saying to him, I'm here. I am here with you and I am not going anywhere. I am going to be with you on this entire journey. And so to be able to actually be there to the point of rolling his body into that cremation was me honoring that promise I made to him. I was going to be with him start to finish. No question. I was there. He wasn't going to have to do this alone, even though of course everybody dies alone and in Mm -hmm. that, you know, in a certain way. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean the, the message I have is one of, um, of the, the, wholeness that death brings and how seeing it and being with it can actually help kickstart the healing process for those who are left behind in a way that just felt so different to me to have my own, you know, to have my dad be taken away so quickly. Whereas with Benjamin, I I was ready to let him go. I could see his body starting to, my friend said, to melt back into the earth. And I could see the changes that were happening in his body. And so it was easy to say, now is the time. Three Mm -hmm. days, now is the time. It's time to bring him back to the earth. Whereas with my dad, you know, I was, I still wanted him there. He'd only died an hour before, you know? So it's just an interesting thing. And of course I honor everyone's choices and decisions and how they want to go about it. My main um, focus of communication since Benjamin died is just to let people know that they have a choice. And in most States, not all, but most, you are allowed to keep your loved one's body at home. And um, so you can look into that and look into death doulas or death midwives who are trained in how to do this and can guide you through both the emotional landscape and the practicalities of that process. And that was in California that that happened, but you're saying most States, right? Most States do are, it is, it is legal in most States. I just had this image of you taking him like up climbing Kilimanjaro with him. And then you stop just before the peak and he Mm -hmm. gets to go to the peak by himself. Like you're just such a shepherd in every way. I know you're a fairy godmother and a shepherd. So <laughs> yes, shepherd, right. shepherd that fairy. Is, okay. shepherd fairy. Exactly. <laughs> there's something, there's definitely something in my karma about that for sure. Yes. It's, it's what beautiful. I've chosen to do. And it's the sort of thing that I do no matter what I'm doing is, you know, helping. That's true. Yeah. And that is being a superhero of love. Like yeah. you're, you know, you are driven and guided by your heart and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so, I feel so lucky that you came here today to, oh. to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will post that article is so beautiful. The yeah. um, doing death, doing death, doing differently. death differently. Yes. Right. Um, I'm going to put it, nice. I'm going to put it in the, I'll put the link to your book, obviously, but I'll also put the link to that article. So if you, great. 
um, in the notes, in the program notes. So if somebody's listening to this right now and you haven't looked at the program notes, that article is going to be in there. Great. And they can reach you at knliterary.com. Yes. And all your social media is there. Anything oh, yes. Else? No, oh, that's wait, all. Yes. Wait, yes. you have a workshop coming up? I do have a workshop coming up. Yes, I am teaching a five-day writing workshop. Actually, I'm teaching um, at the first part of the year twice and on both coasts. So the first one is January 6th through 11th at 1440 Multiversity, which is outside of Santa Cruz. It's a beautiful location. Um, that is going to be, they're both called the book you were born to write and you can sort of Google and, and find them. They're also on the events page on my website. And then the second one is that same retreat, but at Kripal which is a yoga center in Western Massachusetts. And that is happening in March. So, um, and then I'll be teaching at Omega in October as well. But yeah, these are, this is going to be so fun. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to be with people in a deep dive to really get into the practice of writing over the course of five days. And I'm, my, my hope and my, my expectation is that at the end of those five days, everyone will know that they are a writer, that this book is coming, it's on its way, they've done the work, they've gotten in the, into that seat, and they can just write their way to the finish line. That's the goal. Okay, the other thing I have to mention um, is that, because you just did a video about this recently, mm. about preparing yourself even for yes. one of these writer retreats, but you've been doing a series of videos that have been, oh my God, can I just tell you how you took care of my heart on this one? Oh. Looking at my whiteboard that's over uh, across the room, and I have book tour dates because I got yeah. names of possible bookstores that would want to have me, yep. and, and you took that off my to-do list. <laughs> like, you don't have to go do this because I was like, oh my God, this is so annoying and expensive. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. News alert, everybody. Your publisher doesn't mm -mm. help you with this. Mm -mm. Your publisher... And also, nope. I want to say another news alert, which is, because um, I just want to share this for anybody that's thinking about the publisher thing. I am super happy I'm with a publisher because it, I just, I needed a team and I didn't yeah. want to assemble my own team. I just wanted mm. to, I just wanted to do it this way this time. It's not to say that I won't do it self-publishing in the future, but like my advance, which was, uh, you know, usually advances are small these days, you, but my entire advance plus some is going to a publicist. They, they yes. demanded in my, on my, in my contract. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. that I hire a publicist because yep, yep, yep. of the book genre and that yes. it's an overflooded um, you know, market. Yes, yeah. indeed. Indeed. It's one of the ways in which they will make sure that you, your book actually earns back the money they've put into it to get it out into the world. And rightly so. Yes. You know, so, so Kelly is doing these amazing as she did these really cool things and they're still on YouTube. Yes. These videos at every step of the way she, cause I'm six weeks behind you and every step uh -huh. of the way leading to your book launch, you were saying what you were doing yep. and these videos are so amazing, you guys. And they're really, really good. You do not have to be near your book launch. You do not have to even be near your chair where you're sitting in the chair <laughs> and the mot. But in chair time, you, you do not have to be there to start gleaning this information. Cause I wish that I had been way behind yeah, you. You right, know what I mean? Right. So right, go right, to YouTube yes. and look for Kelly there and just awesome. and it, the it's, links it, are on your website too. The links are on our website and it just, you can go to YouTube and, and search for KN literary and you'll find it. And I have the the book launch series, but I have a ton of other videos on there and I'm, I'm adding to them every week. So it's really, I'm hoping that's a place where people can go and just get a full education. That's what I want, a full education. Some people like to read, so the book and other people need to see videos. So YouTube, I'm trying to get it out there in all the ways I can. Totally. But you're super fun on video. The book is super fun too. Like in both ways, you feel like you're sitting. Yeah. Like, 
you're sitting with you. So anyway, yeah. all right. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to the bottom of your heart. Thank you. Thank you for thank making you. time for me. I know you're so busy and, and this is such a gift to all the superhero of love um, podcast fans. So thank awesome. You. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Isn't she the most beautiful superhero of love? My goodness gracious, I love her. Okay, so everybody check out knliterary.com. Check the program notes for all the other links that I promised. They will be there for you. Remember the promo that we had at the top of the show for my friend Melissa's show, JT Tipsters. Go check out that true crime podcast. I think you will love it. Thanks for coming today, superheroes.